0: Well, it's my joy to share with you this morning, in case you hadn't figured that out. Uh, If we haven't met before, I'm the older version of the guy who's usually here. And just to stick with the family tradition, there we have it. Thank you very much. Pastors uh, in Springfield, Uh, he's going to square away general counsel, but (laughs) not really. But he, he he gave me an assignment, told me, asked me if I would speak on a certain scripture. How many have seen the banner as you come into the parking lot, you know, white banner, black black letters, it says what? Come home. Very good. <laughs> that, that's surprising. Many people had actually looked at it. That's, that, that's gratifying, Jeremy. I mean, <laughs> come home. And he said, Dad, I want you to take, you know, this particular scripture and I want you to stay with the theme of come home so it's uh, my honor and privilege to share that with you this morning i'm also using a bible that my son gave to me for christmas and i don't know what he's saying to me but you notice the print is rather large in case you <laughs> <laughs> just you know just thought i'd mention that <laughs> Now, in all seriousness uh Dr. Davenport has given his father several Bibles, which I deeply appreciate, uh, because actually we talk about them, believe it or not. So uh, it's my, my privilege, my privilege. The theme is come home. Your text is found in Luke chapter 15. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Or if some have called it, the waiting father. Either would be applicable because both are very much in the context of this particular parable. And I think we all realize as a parable. Jesus used them. A parable, it's a a very simple story and usually has a specific truth. We used to say in in class, you know, don't make a parable do push-ups. It's not designed for some, you know, broad span theological truth. It's a simple truth in the parable. It's something that he told the story so that we would get a hold of it and understand it. To understand this parable, I think we need to read just a couple of scriptures in background to, to reference this. One of the scriptures is not found in Luke. It's found in Matthew, but it, it it's germane or pertains to the thought in this parable. That's in Matthew's 9th, chapter 11th verse. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher, this teacher being Jesus, eating with the tax collectors and sinners? Now, in chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke, prior to the parable that we're going to read in just a moment, it says this in the 15th chapter, the first verse, now all the tax collectors and the sinners we're coming near to listen to him, him being Jesus. Both the Pharisees and the scribes begin to grumble, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." So he told them this parable, and we'll go to verse 11 here in just a moment. Tax collectors, we're tax collectors. They usually were those of Jewish nationality in that area, but they were under contract to Rome to collect taxes for Rome. And in the collecting of taxes, they had a right or the privilege to collect a little bit of a surcharge. And sometimes, let's put it this way, that surcharge wasn't necessarily equitable. So they were not liked. A tax collector that you may be very well aware of, is named Matthew, Levi. He was a tax collector. And then the the word sinners is used. Well, a sinner to those people, to the Jewish people, especially the hierarchy, and I'll talk about them in a minute, would have been anybody who wasn't a Jew. So it, as I look around the room, welcome Sinners. <laughs> Now the Pharisees were a religious political group. They came into strength in the in that particular nation after the exile. They were very conservative and very legalistic and very rigid and very political. And they did not like Jesus. And the scribes were teachers of the law. They interpreted the law, the Old Testament. But they also added to it tradition, and they also added to it burdens on people as to what they could or could not do. I didn't say this the first service, but it's, it's true nonetheless. If you let man write his own religion, he will write a religion of burdens. He will absolutely write a religion of burdens. And as the generations go by, the burdens will become heavier. And if you like an example of that, look around the world you live in. So here are your people. Well, obviously Jesus. Just remind us all, the Son of God came to seek and to save that which was lost. Everybody knows John 3.16, but also John 3.17. He did not come to condemn, but to save. He fellowshiped with the needy. So you have the religious... Very strict, no mercy, everything, reduced group, and then you have the people who are in desperate need. My goodness, things haven't changed for a couple of thousand years. <laughs> now, a parable is to depict... So, you, you know, you're all very intelligent people, and you already figured this out before I got there. The father in the parable must represent God. The younger son must represent somebody who strayed from God. And you'll pick up the rest of it as we go along. like to read it to you in sections and talk about it in sections, and Dr. Davenport, Brian, I call him, or son, <laughs> he confesses that sometimes when he's reading and trying to stick to the passage that he may elaborate more than he planned on or drift more than he planned on to prove to, a to, to point, and uh I cannot say that I am absolutely free of that. <laughs> so. And he said, he being Jesus, this is a parable now. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. In the 16th birth, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. Let's call this, show me the money. The younger son, you read it, I read it to you, said, okay, I want to I leave home. I'm singing, I want to be free, and I'm going to take my money and go. Now, if you read the whole text here, which we are going to eventually, you're going to get the idea, and you would be absolutely correct, that this estate had a lot of money, that this was a wealthy place. This estate was a wealthy. there was money. And living was good there just because of the way it was run, organized, and so forth. So it wasn't like he was leaving home because he didn't have anything. No, he had everything. But he chose to leave home. He asked for his share of the money. Now, you go to Deuteronomy, and you can read it for yourself, and I think it's the uh, 21st chapter around the 17th verse. It share. It tells how in that culture, now we're talking Jewish culture here, how that money would be divided. The elder son would be entitled to two-thirds of the estate. The younger son would be entitled to a third since there were two of them. The elder son always got more. <laughs> My dad had $4.28. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so he would have got... A third, and his father willingly shared it with him, gave it to him, and he, and then he, you know, he got the great idea. I sh- I'll take off. I'll go to a far country. Now, far country here is, I think, it's written that way for understanding. In other words, he separated himself totally from any connection to his home. And he went to a far country, and I, I think, I would have license here to say a far country probably where there were no restrictions or at least ones that he would be familiar with. And he said he squandered his money. The the word there is the same word you use for sowing seed. He scattered his money. He just just threw it away. He spent it on everything. And I'm willing to imagine, that's not in the text, but that he probably found a whole lot of friends to help him spend his money. at least in my observation, is if you're willing to spend a lot of money foolishly, you'll find a lot of foolish people who are just delighted to help you do it. And so he spent his money. He scattered it. And pretty soon he had zip, none. And famine came into the land. Political joke, no welfare. (laughs) He was on his own. He had nothing. So he hired himself out to someone, and he ended up feeding swine. And now, I'm from rural America, and we had hogs, pigs, swine, whatever you want to call them, But I am not in that part of the world, I'm not in that century, and I'm not Jewish. Swine were off-limits, unclean, can't eat them, can't touch them, don't associate with them. So where does this fine young lad end up? With the swine. You mess with sin, it'll put you in the pig pen. How's that? (laughs) He found himself knee-deep in the pig pen. And he thought to himself, wait a minute, this is not good. Perhaps there's a better place. As I said, I am from rural America. And he went from, this is a rural America saying, he went from living high on the hog (laughs) to living with the hogs. (laughs) And he would have eaten gladly should they allowed him what they were eating. Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death. He was on a downward spiral. Romans 1. Read it for yourself. But he came to his senses. Verse 17. 17 through the first part of 20. But when he came to his senses, the King James, the old King James, he authorized when he came to himself. Now, this is not a teaching on the Holy Spirit. This is not a parable about the Holy Spirit. But we all know from reading the Scripture that nobody thinks about change, especially moving toward God, unless the Spirit of the Lord prompts them or speaks into their lives. So there's just a subtle reference here, I believe, to the Holy Spirit. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. This is the first part of the 20th verse. So he got up and came to his father. Look at the sign outside. It's time to come home. If you find yourself in the pig pens of life, it's time to come home. You don't have to be in a pig pen to recognize it's time to come home. My granddaughter Emily, will you admit I'm your grandfather? Thank you. (laughs) I was worried. (laughs) Emily, grandpa, never lived in a pig pen. I am from rural America, never lived in a pig pen. Grandpa got good grades. Grandpa was a good boy. In fact, I was so good I was boring. (laughs) (laughs) And you're saying grandpa, you still are, never mind. But I can remember sitting in Iowa on the steps that went down into the cellar. Now, I didn't live in the cellar because I was bad. That's where mom made me a room where I was going to college. I remember sitting on those steps looking down thinking, what, what, what purpose is there for life? Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, folks, I was a good guy. I mean, Pat Boone, White Bucks, Jim had White Bucks. I was totally cool. Laura, though, no, you don't believe that, do you? <laughs> hey, later I dated your grandmother in a Merck convertible of 50. Small block, uh, flathead, three-speed on the column. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. You just think I'm boring. I was cool. (laughs) But I can remember looking down those stairs saying, what hope or what purpose do I have in life? It wasn't a big pen, folks, but I needed to come home. I needed to come home. I needed to find purpose. I needed to find reason for living, reason for existence. It's time to come home. And I don't know where I said this last service, but I'll say it right here, right now. Folks, this is a place to come home to. And we must, we must pray to that end. Society is hurting. They need to come home. So he came to his father, came to his senses, came to himself thinking of home, he figured out that only death awaited him there. He needed to come home. Going to his father. He said, said, I'm going to say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and you. Psalm 51, verse 4. First part of verse 4. David's psalm. Lord, against you and you only. I'm paraphrasing. You can look it up and call me at midnight tonight and tell me I didn't quote it exactly right. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But anyway, basically it says this, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Aaron, since you're sitting there, I'll look at you. If, If I sin, if I offend you in some way, yes, I have sinned against you, but I have sinned against God. I have transgressed against God by insulting one of his people. So I have sinned against God. Sin is against God. Yes, it may have its ramifications, its ripples out against mankind. You may have, you probably should or may have to apologize to somebody, but sin is against God and God forgives sin. I'm going to go to my dad and I'm going to say I sinned against heaven and you. I'm going to go home So he goes home. So he got up and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father jumped in right there because he had more speech. And he wasn't being phony. He'd hit bottom. He, He was humble but I want to stop you right there. This is contrary to culture. Son leaves home like that, he's on his own. In the parable, what is the father doing? He sees him afar off. Well, how do you see him afar off unless you happen to be looking for him? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's looking. He's looking. He's waiting. You he saw him afar off. He's coming. He's coming. Well, I'll just go in the house and sit down and wait till he gets here, and I'll give that young whippersnapper a piece of my mind and send him to his room. No. I will. He ran, he greeted him, he threw his arms around him, he kissed him, he welcomed him home. Don't raise any hands. But how many times <laughs> have I had to go to the Father and say, ah, Man, I really messed up. And I've never heard him once say, Jim, you dimwit. Never once, never once. Now, Jim might have said that to himself. But not him, not the Lord. Come on, we'll correct this, we'll work with this. He greeted him, and he he called, you can read it, he called for the servants to get a robe, and hey, I'm not talking about mama's old bathrobe, I'm talking about a robe. I'm talking about a robe that that, dig, that suggested dignity and acceptance and purpose and a position in the home. Get that robe. Put it on him. Put it on him. And also get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. What's the big deal about that? Because he was a free man, and the free men wore rings and had sandals on their feet. slaves were barefoot and no rings. He wasn't a slave. He was a son. And he was welcome in the home. Welcome in the home. My friends, if we're going to have a home, if we're going to say come home, we need to welcome them who have a little pig stuff under their fingernails and some dirt on their toes, and we need to welcome them, and we need to put a robe on them, and we need to give them a ring and we need to give them sandals for their feet and we need to point them in the right direction and we need to, we need to put an arm around them and we need to, to love them. 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 The father was delighted to see the son. Let me read on. I said this, but I'll read it anyway. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. They brought all this, and they killed the fatted calf. Not, not a calf held for sacrifice, but a calf deliberately held for party time. And they brought it, and they partied, and they partied. They celebrated. What's God think about people who come back? Well, verse 7 says, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Just one. How many we want? 10,000. Party time. Party time. Verse 10 Joy in the presence of the angels of God when someone repents. We want to do our part to promote parties in heaven. We want to contribute to party time. And you know something else? We need to pray that it slops over into our midst and that we're willing to celebrate and party when people come to the Lord. Well, as in any event or many events, pardon the bad grammar, everybody ain't always happy. 25th verse. Now the older son was in the field and when he came and approached the house he heard music and dancing. Some of the old time churches might have a problem with that dancing but I, you know it's there folks. Jesus said it. Jim didn't say it. <laughs> now I, I said to Aaron in the first service this word music in this verse and Aaron knows this as in like you know Jim doesn't teach music. We all we all understand that. Uh, hey, come on! If you don't know, my own son won't even let me sing. Come on! <laughs> did he not say in staff the other day? Did did he not say something about singing? Anybody can pick up a, car, get a guitar and so yeah. He said, except my dad. <laughs> Ex, except my dad. Right, right, right in front of everybody on the staff. <laughs> right there. <laughs> That's okay that's that's all right I had the mic too close to myself once in church, and we were singing he He's sitting right where you are, and he says to me, uh, Dad, put the mic down <laughs> Bob, uh, I live in a frustrating world <laughs> anyway, it says music in this verse now, as I said in the first service and you're a musical guy. You understand music. You study music. You talk about music. And the more I talk about music, the bigger dummy I become. But anyway, it, this is not some guy on an old tin flute playing "Come by You" or "Come by Ya" or whatever it is. This music, the word <laughs> Carson, just try to behave yourself over there. Way <laughs> anyway, this the word for music here it has the root in it of the word symphony. So there there was music and probably singing going on. There was joy in the house, in the estate. The boy was home. The guy from the far country had come back, put the robe on in the ring, in the sandals. He was home. It's time to be happy. And they were dancing. Contrary to certain teachings, they were dancing. Yes, they were. I told this story in the first service, and you can maybe you can say, well, Jim, it's not really germane. It's germane to me. 2007, I had the privilege of going to visit Chuck and Bonnie Ness, Dr. Ness and Bonnie here in the church. Uh, they were in Kenya, and Nairobi was the capital. We did some touristy things, but we also had the privilege of visiting uh, churches, speaking in churches. And some orphanages in Nairobi, Kenya, is one of the worst slums in the world. Actually, it's a city of contrasts. You'll see people carrying wood on their, uh, you know, sticks on their head, and somebody else right over here driving a Mercedes convertible. It's it's it's, it's a world of contrast. I'm not here. It just is. In close to the slums, with a school put there for to help the education of some of the children in that area. And they all wore uniforms to school, and it was a cool day, and some of the boys had sweaters on. It was only 80. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they put a program on for the visiting, you know, whatever, this, we, this, this guy. <laughs> and the... They had, they they did this the program so song so forth and then they 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 did a dance very nice dance for us very rhythmic whatever words I'm looking for here well Jay if I talk about music too long I go off the end of the cliff you know it's just it's over <laughs> I crash and bird <laughs> anyway it was it was very nice but then <laughs> then they <laughs> Terry they thought it would be great. If the visitors danced with the girls. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Buzz. (laughs) Whatever you're visualizing probably isn't even even close to the disaster. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so there was myself who behave yourself, Laura, who is known for his rhythm and timing. (laughs) I I can't even walk down a hall without bumping in the white anyway. And then there was my good friend, Dr. Penson, and then there was Chuck Ness. All of us, very astute, very Fred Uh, (laughs) Astaire-ish. If that's... (laughs) Anyway, we we did. We did. And I shall always, always remember. I look like a dingbat, (laughs) granddaughter. But I shall... Always remember dancing with that little girl. She probably just maybe a couple of years younger than you. It's hard to tell. I, I'm not good with ladies in the ages, and I find that safe. <laughs> 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 well, how old was she, Jim? I don't know. 28. There you go. <laughs> My wife's only 32. What are you guys laughing at? Anyway, there was dancing with this little girl, and I shall ever remember that. I probably look like a, who knows what I look like. But there I was dancing with her, rejoicing with her. She had purpose in life because of Jesus. There was nothing in her home, but she had purpose because she knew Jesus, and I had the privilege of dancing with her. And I shall always remember that. Always. Music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come home. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. I stop right there. You notice that the father came out and pleaded with the self-righteous guy. Does God reach out to the self-righteous? Sure, He does. But if you know, if we clothe ourselves in so much self-rightness, where we are just absolutely, absolutely right about everything, God will plead with us, but it, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere because we're so consumed with ourselves. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice what he says this son of yours, it's his brother. No, it's this son of yours. Not my brother. Yes, he is. Yes, he is your brother and he's back, and you should celebrate. Did you care while he was gone? He's your brother. Are there people out there who need Christ? He's your brother. The son of yours who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted of Now, wait a minute. He, he had no knowledge of what he had done with his money. There's nothing in the earlier part of the Scripture that said he actually spent money on prostitutes whether he did or didn't it is not said he's he's doing what many times happens when you're trying to degrade somebody you just add on it just gets added on the longer the story goes the bigger it gets and he said to him son you have always been with me and all i all that is mine is yours You've always had all the opportunity. Whatever you wanted to do, you could have done. It was your choice not to do it. It was your choice. It's all yours. Now, I I might be going a little far afield here, but to the and this older son obviously represents the Pharisees and scribes, and they were people that had the the. The book <laughs> that told about the coming of the Messiah, they were the people who had access. All that I have is yours, and you ignored it. Yeah. I don't say that to condemn anybody. I'm just saying, folks, digressing a bit, adding to a bit, what are our opportunities? All that I have is yours. Jesus has said that to us, hasn't he? All that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. But then he goes on to say, this is the Father, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Let's celebrate. Let's, let's have a church full of celebration. Let's have a church full of happiness because people are finding the Lord. They're coming in with pig stuff all over them, or maybe they're not. But we'll throw a robe on them. We'll kill the fatted calf, and we will celebrate because they have come to know the Lord. Notice, I didn't say this before, and I should have said, notice when the father met the youngest son, you know, that the, the youngest son had no merit to come back. He'd squandered everything. He'd wasted everything. He, quote, deserved nothing. Wait a minute. When Jim Davenport came to the cross, he deserved nothing. But the mercy of the father. The son participated in the mercy of the father. All of us who know Jesus Christ have participated in the mercy of the father and the son. And the Spirit of God is with us. Friends, I'd like to close with this. It's time to celebrate. It's time for people to come home. It's time to just welcome them in. I know we are, I know that's our mission. I know what it is. All I'm doing is I'm on orders for my son. Just underline it. Just underline it. Come home come home. Aaron's going to come now, and and we're we're going to sing again. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to sing again that come home song just as a refresher and a reminder for us. But Aaron, just let me say this before you start. Folks, maybe this is your day to come home. We do not wish to close any service without giving opportunity for you to make a decision for Jesus Christ. It may be you know i can look around the room and say well i think i know everybody here but that i should not do i cannot do that because i don't know everybody's heart here and i don't say that in any condemning way it's only god and you know what's going on inside the head remember you know i was a cool looking college guy but i needed jesus so if you need if you need to come home today i'm going to be standing right over there and jay's right there laura's right there my wife's right there others It's time to come home. It's time to come home. The son came to his senses. Self-realization. It's time to go home. It's time. It's your opportunity. We'll be here waiting for you. And we'll do our best to act like the Father, to welcome you. Let's sing the song and then I'll pray with you. We call to the north and call to the south, come home. We call to the east and call to the west, it's time to come home. The Father is waiting, anticipating your return. All the sons and daughters, those who have wandered, it's time to come home. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to spend time in Scripture, to see the opportunities and the blessing of God for those who come home. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to the principle of inviting people home, of exposing them to the claims of Jesus and the salvation that is theirs in Jesus Christ. We give ourselves to be a a representative an ever-increasing witness to the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Empower us by your Spirit. May we have a happy face as we welcome people home. In the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless. God bless.